Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge difference to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hi everyone, this is Helen and you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Um, so today, on this extra episode on the 4th of June, I would like to draw our listeners' attention to the event that has happened 32 years ago today. So 32 years ago today, the day after celebrating my 8th birthday with my family, the atmosphere has been intense. My parents whispered around something that was happening in China. China then was a place of unknown to me, a place that I only know that my paternal grandfather was from, escaped, but never really spoken about. So on the evening of 3rd of June 1989, after our little family sing happy birthday and sat around and shared a creamy sponge cake, the television was turned on. I saw something that I would never forget for the rest of my life. The image that would haunt me in my nightmares as an eight-year-old never understood why humans could do such things to each other. I saw young people, heads bleeding, blood dripping down the side of their faces, walking down some boulevard that I do not recognize, shouting something that I could not quite grasp. I saw signs with Chinese characters that I was yet to learn. Chaos, flames everywhere on the screen, wrecked and abandoned vehicles. I didn't ask my parents what was going on. The scene scared me. In the mixed emotions of being just celebrating my birthday, I could not quite comprehend the situation I did not know, even until now how to explain the feeling that I had on the evening of 3rd of June 1989. On the following day, 4th of June 1989, I walked up and went downstairs as my usual routine, pick up the newly delivered Guo Yu Bao, the Mandarin Youth Daily, a newspaper published in Taiwan for students of my age that my mother has subscribed for me since the beginning of my primary school year. I could not remember the headline of the day, but I remember the images on the paper. University students look like they are antagonizing some sort of power, holding up their signs, marching. The images of foreigners are packed in airport foyer, a young blonde girl holding her teddy bear, or perhaps it was a doll, stood alone in the foyer, with a caption said, Foreigners in Beijing had been urged to leave immediately to avoid further chaos. A friend here in Australia, who had arrived uh, from Taiwan some years earlier than my family, recounts the moment on the day of the 4th of June 1989. 
She says that she remembers watching the news in a small penthouse in the suburb of Sydney. It was raining that day, and she was both surprised and shocked, also wondering if the communism was going to be overturned. Then another image that would shock the world: a long man stood in front of a tank. I have only seen the still image when I was eight. I have only seen the video clips that Chinese Communist Party has so heavily censored when I was in my late teen years. No one knows what happened to the man who stood in front of the tank as he moved closer and closer to him. Only years after the incident, that I finally understood what had happened on the day. My parents never spoke about it, and two that our family moved to Australia. I finally found out. On that day, Fourth of June was eventually named 六四天安门事件 the Tiananmen Square massacre on the fourth of June. The protests started on the April the fifteenth and was forcibly suppressed on the June the fourth, when the government declared martial law and set the sent the People's Liberation Army to occupy the parts of central Beijing. Estimated death toll varied from several hundred to several thousand, with thousands more wounded. No data has ever recorded or really known to the public how many people have died. Until now, the incident is still heavily censored in China, and I'm guessing people around my age in China would not know this part of the history of their own nation. According to Guardian Australia. Helen Davison, who is now reporting from Taipei, so apparently what I know is that a lot of Western media has since moved out or been forced out of China and Hong Kong in the past eighteen months. This is what Davison said in her article. Remembering the violent event of Fourth of June has never been allowed in PRC, where it had been officially censored. Each year around this time. The censorship increases. Sensitivity words, num numbers, photographs, symbols, emojis, anything that could be a reference to the event disappeared online. Activists are sent on enforced holidays. Online events are shut down, and security tightens around the Beijing Square. But the government efforts to suppress. Memorializing the event have expanded in Hong Kong, which had every year since 1990, proudly held in the largest of the only two vigils allowed on Chinese soil. Although thousands attend Hong Kong's vigil in the last in the last year, 24 pro-democracy figures, including Joshua Wan, Lee Chok Yan, and Albert Ho, were later arrested, accused of organizing an unauthorized assembly. Lee, who was in Beijing during the massacre, told the Guardian at the time he didn't want the candlelight to be dimmed in the park on the night. This year, they are in jail, and the alliance has publicly distanced itself from any potential gathering and told media there will be no online event, fearing the authority could interpret as an unauthorized assembly in the public place. As Hong Kong became a sanctuary for those who fled the mainland, Taiwan has now taken in many who have fled Hong Kong. In previous years, politicians from both sides of Taiwan's democracy have spoken in memoriam of Fourth of June and in protest against China's state violence. This year marks 32 years since the Tiananmen Square. 
But the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has never apologized and has not made repatriation to the victims. Legislator for ruling Democratic Progress Party Hong Sun Han has said this week. In 2019, President Tsai Ing-wen angered Beijing by being the first Chinese leader in three decades to meet the Chinese activists who were there at the time. But due to bad timing, rather than government suppression, there will be also no event in Taiwan. For the first time since the pandemic began, the island is dealing with a mass community outbreak of COVID-19 and has limited all outdoor gatherings to maximum of ten people. Instead of an alliance of almost thirty Taiwan-based groups, have announced an online event for Friday and erecting a large LED screen with messages about anniversary in Taipei Liberty Square, as well as other events held online in a manner that com- complies with gathering restrictions. So it has been over three decades since Tiananmen Square massacre. You might think that the expense of the world in digital era could shed some light in the mainland Chinese to look up some actually the transparency of the history that happened in the past. Well, not exactly. Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, uses the other、uh, advanced technological methods to heavily censor and block any information that deemed derogatory for the nation. Using the search engine to look up Tiananmen Square massacre could trigger authority officials to visit you at your place. CCP had also utilized the benefits of internet to develop teams of young people to combat this so-called social media cyber wars. These people have been named as Xiao Fan Hong.、Um, you can call them little pinks or fans of the red, whichever way that you like to translate it. These often are the Netizens who are born after 1990s and have very limited knowledge about the Cultural Revolution and Tiananmen Massacre history, they use social media platform to attack any public opinions and comments that are considered against the patriotism of China's nationality, pro-Taiwan, independent, or even pro-democracy. The first influx of the Little Pinks happened in 2016. When a Chinese national, Zhou Ziyu, was working in the K-pop industry in South Korea, who was forced by her Korean agency to apologize publicly because she has been video holding a Chinese flag and expressed her support of Taiwan's independence, the agency was attacked with enormous amount of comments from China's boycotting the works by Zhou Ziyu as well as other celebrities that the agency was pre- representing. Zhou Ziyu. Was sixteen at the time and faced immense pressure with such ordeal. In the same year, a Hong Kong-based singer, Denise Hall, who was working on a concert that was sponsored by skincare, the French、uh, skincare Lancome, prior to the concert, Denise had actively expressed her views in social justice and democracy, which had attracted. Much of the attention from the Little Pink's netizens, and had warned the skincare company Lancome to discontinue working with Denise Ho. Lancome has soon withdrawn contract with Denise, which had caused a backlash for the skincare company that generate much of the boycott around the world. CCP continues to use much of the online social media forces to suppress. 
and pressure many celebrities as well as enterprises. They boycott their work, their products, and the latest one that we know is the U.S. actor John Cena, who had picked up a Chinese Mandarin for some reasons. I'm not quite sure、um, what was. Uh, why that he picked up Chinese?、Um, I hope that it was for the sake that you really want to learn the in language rather than attracting the China market. Last week, Cena posted a video of him speaking in Chinese Mandarin, apologizing that he had a made a mistake earlier when he was promoting his latest movie, Fast and the Furious, in Taiwan, where he said, "Taiwan is the first country in Asia you can see the movie." Calling Taiwan a country was a huge taboo for the、uh, Little Pink net- netizens, and I'm guessing Cena's agent must have been contacted immediately and forced him to make a public apology. With a nation that is full of power in manipulating the economy around the globe, but without democracy, and also with the heavy censoring, I wonder how much more that the citizens in China needed to see before heading into another revolution. Will there ever be another one? I don't know. Perhaps they are just happy enough for now. Perhaps that the revolution will need to begin by someone who truly dis- are disadvantaged in China. However, most of those who won't have the access to much of the resources compared to the activists in the West. It does worry me that such power obtained by only one single party would do for the rest of the world. So that's the end of this extra episode.、Uh, thanks for staying with me.、Uh, remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five star rating and share with your friends. Asian Beaches Down Under welcome listeners to support our show through the ACAR support system. Your donation will help us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So we'll chat to you next time. Bye.